Ladies and gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, February 16th, and this week, the war for, for ages, self-driving goes in circle, self-driving goes in circles, and Uber ends in the black. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And, of course, from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by the co-founder and lead attorney, Brian Green. Brian, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jared. Great to be back. Yes, I'm going to have a little tongue twister this morning or this afternoon and uh, this week in Rideshare, but uh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it up. Hey, it happens to the best of us, my friend. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> and we and we are the best of them. How's that? <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. We'll take it. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of uh, similar topics we've had before, but interesting they're still popping up and still still hot and of course we're going to start with the first one we've talked about this before bryant the fight for minimum wage uh, corporations are now going head to head with workers who are trying to make a living and this is from uh, the stranger and they added quote billion dollar corporations such as doordash uber eats grubhub and instacart started ramping up their cry bully tactics against gig workers after the city of seattle instituted new pay up uh, brain and protections on January 13th of this year. Uh, someone said they'll cry, they'll throw themselves on the ground, kicking and screaming like a toddler. Anything to make reasonable labor policy fail, said driver and pay-up advocate Carmen Figuera. Uh, in 2022, former council members uh, passed the minimum wage or- ordinance, something workers in other sectors have enjoyed for more than 85 years. Through messages to their customers and statements in the press, App-based delivery companies have set up a narrative that a minimum wage has actually hurt the workers that's actually aiming to help. So, Brian, as we've discussed before, they're ramping up the tactics. They're trying to trying to squash this stuff. It's really infuriating. It's, it's crazy that they continue to fight what just seems to be basic human rights. People have a right to earn enough living to keep a roof over their head for a job that they're doing. That's really a, a basic American principle. We we have fought for workers' rights in this country for a long time. And Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, all the others are, are really doing everything they can to withhold that basic right from their workers. Um, in, in a lot of ways, it feels like they're gaslighting everybody. They're they're saying, "Oh no, we don't have enough money here." Like it's crazy. We know that we we're going to talk later about the fact that Uber just turned a profit this year. Right. So there is money to go around. There is money to make sure that people have uh, a livable wage, and it's not the workers who are to blame here. It's the companies and their greed for all the problems that we see today. No, exactly. And the thing that we're starting to see, I guess, which is good, is for the longest time, I mean, we've discussed it uh, on the show, and you've discussed it on TV and on uh, on the radio and the news. Um, you know, first, the articles were about, um, you know, the, the companies stepping in and trying to fight back against these ordinances. But now what we're seeing is news and reports about how they're just there's no need for it. it's nonsense that now they're saying look these arguments are terrible they're just trying to ruin any chance of drivers and gig workers making a living it's it's the 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 um kind of the focus now is changing from oh uber disagrees to uber come on this is bullshit and that's it's i think it's a good thing for workers yeah it, it that's an interesting point that they are changing their argument a bit and you know they're they're looking at at the numbers and they're realizing that 
they don't want to share their profits with the people who are helping them make it. And it's just not a viable business model. Eventually, the workers are going to realize that there's better ways to make a living. And minimum wage, all that we're talking about there is to give people a floor, to know what they're going to take home every time they go out onto the road, what they're going to take home each month. That sort of security is necessary for you know, safe living. People need to know, are they able to afford their expenses? Are they going to be able to pay for the soccer practice this week or even more basic, are they going to be able to pay for the food that they need to eat? And until the companies are willing to give people that security, I'm just, the the fight's going to go on. Um, And, you know, one other point I just wanted to make is these messages that they're sending out to the customers and the statements that they're making to the press, this is a similar tactic. They're using their reach to try to trick people. They're telling customers, no, vote against this bill. Don't follow this. This is bad for the driver. When in actuality, most of the customers want to do what's right. They want to do what's going to help people survive. And they're being misled by the devious actions of these billion-dollar companies. Yeah, I mean, the the tactic, and they even have a term for it now. They're calling it cry bully. I mean, just like you said, it's gotten so prevalent now in such a cop-out that there's a term for it, which is just unbelievable. Um but yeah, you know, we're going to keep hearing about this, obviously, and as always, we're going to follow it. Um, but it's it's kind of refreshing to see that, that people are starting to call them out. I'm really glad to see that. Uh, yet another topic, Bryant, that we have talked about. I feel like we're always on the leading edge of a lot of these stories that come out a week later. Self-driving. What self-driving car? <laughs> the AV future has turned into a pipe dream. And this is from The Verge. And they add, quote, one of the hallmarks of the race to develop autonomous vehicles has been wildly optimistic predictions about when they'll be ready for daily use. The landscape is positively littered with missed deadlines. The amount of money flowing into autonomous vehicle space also had the the knock-on effect of convincing regulators to take a lax approach when it comes to self-driving cars. AV boosters warned that too many rules would stifle innovation and jeopardize future gains, whether that was safety or job creation. Uh, When training an AI program on driving, you can predict a lot of what to expect, but you can't predict everything. And when those edge cases eventually emerge, the car can make mistakes, sometimes with tragic consequences. So again, Brian, we discussed this. Um, Self-driving isn't here. They're, They're pushing things through, and people are now starting to really question safety. We were ahead of this. I I think it was last week's episode that we were talking about this exact thing. So AV has been on the forefront of everybody's mind for, you know, more than a decade now. When Uber came out, that was one of the first things that they were talking about is how they were going to start in this taxi based industry and eventually get rid of the drivers and put a bunch of self-driving cars on the road. We've seen that their self-driving program has been largely a failure to date. Um, Google and in, in, uh, Waze have not done much in that regard. Um, we, you know, we're, we're seeing some incremental steps, but for anybody to tell us that self-driving uh, autonomous vehicles are here, it, you know, that's that's ridiculous. It's wishful thinking, and this article, you know, really, uh, you know, memorializes that. Um, as we've discussed in the past, this industry cannot go forward until it's proven to be safe. We can't be putting these cars on the road, endangering our pedestrians, other drivers, until they've been fully tested and approved by 
third parties. We want government regulation. We want, um, you know, we want people to ha have to go through rigorous tests before they can cause these hazards and hazardous situations to to enter our community. Um, until very, I guess, until this article, it seemed like nobody was willing to say that. Um, and except for us. So I'm glad to see we're starting to get a little bit of momentum where let's set some guidelines, let's set some boundaries, let's prove that these are safe and then we can deploy them. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe they're watching or listening to our podcast, who knows? Um, but you know, it, 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 yeah, I think that, you know, if you read the full article, they really go into detail about, um, some of the CEOs of these companies and Uber and Lyft and some of the startups, Waymo, you know, back in 2016 saying, you know, by the time my, my son's 11, by the time they're 16, they won't even need a driver's license. So there's a lot of these false predictions. I think the honeymoon's over. And I think the the big thing is the money has slowed, as they talked about in this. And now other questions, which were sort of brushed off, like, ah, that comes par for the course of innovation is coming up now. Uh, it's, it's seeping up, which is a good thing, because I think this is where... Uh, companies like Uber and Lyft were able to push through a lot of those questions because the money looked like it was there. So they said, Hey, well, okay. It's just kind of, you know, that's kind of the cost of doing business. Uh, but this time it's different. Um, and we're seeing it. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of Theranos in a way, like some of the Silicon Valley companies could fake it until they made it without much recourse. You know, like you think of a company like Uber who just had billions and billions of dollars coming in to invest in the company because rideshare was a great idea. Everybody realized that the taxi industry hadn't evolved in, you know, like a hundred years and that there was room to make it better. And the stakes were were fairly low in terms of the you know the safety component of it the, you're, these cars are already on the road we're talking about drivers who hopefully go through background checks obviously we've had safety issues i'm not you know i'm not talking about that but here with self driving car it's a new technology that has not been vetted that's promising to make to change the way we live in this world and it's highly hazardous and like I was saying with Theranos, it was a new technology that had life or death repercussions. And eventually when they weren't proving themselves and people were actually getting hurt as a result of the technology or lack thereof, it went under. And and I'm seeing some parallels there with where self-driving cars are going, at least in the, the current state of the technology. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good comparison. And that, that's exactly what's happening. I think it's not proving itself. People are getting hurt. Things are happening. And yeah, the questions are arising. Um, you know, we talk about this every week. I'm sure we're going to see another article. We'll probably talk about it next week when something else gets gets unveiled. Uh, and our final story this week, Uber, you did it. You made a profit. But at what costs? Disconnect ads, quote, between 2014 and 2023, the company set over $31 billion on fire in its quest to drive taxi companies out of business and build a global monopoly. Uh, the profit is reporting is purely due to exploitive business practices where the worker and consumer are squeezed to serve investors, and technology is the tool to do it. As transportation analyst uh, Hubert outlined, for higher, drive, uh, for higher rides are not a service that can take advantage of economies of scale, like a software or logistics company, meaning just because you deliver more rides doesn't mean the per-ride cost get significantly cheaper. 
So for years, workers have been protesting and organizing to try to claw back the power they lost when Uber sold these, these labor exploitative innovations to credulous governments that rolled out the red carpet for them for the supposed innovator. Uh, the article then goes on to explain about AB5, Prop 22. Um, so, Bryant, the, uh, you know, I think it kind of sums it up. They made, they're in the black, but at what cost? Yeah, I, I think that's the right question. We've seen how drivers and customers have been exploited. Customers are paying in some situations crazy rates during surge prices. We've seen, uh, you know, short fares be hundreds of dollars if the situation is right. Um, and then on the flip side, when there are uh, large fares that the customers are paying, the drivers aren't really seeing the benefit of it. So who's taking that big uh, difference? Well, it's Uber. And uh, they have been finding ways to exploit both ends of the um, or both sides of the coin for a long time. And eventually, as you know, it, it has paid off in terms of them turning a profit. But you wonder if it's a long term solution, if they keep screwing drivers and they keep screwing passengers, is this a business model that is, you know, going to last? And I, I guess time will tell if the demand just never goes away. But I have to think at some point, everybody's going to get tired of it. Yeah, and thirty-one billion dollars. I mean, I knew they were spending hemorrhaging billions, but seeing that number, geez, it's just, yeah. I mean, they 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 forced their way in, um, but just like you said, I I think, I mean, there are people are already tired of it. You know, gig workers and drivers in general are already exhausted. Uh, they don't really have the benefits they had when it first started. Um, every time they try to try to get to, to, to even say like every time they try to get some sort of fair conditions, it's. It's, it's pulled away from them. They're clawing back. I, I don't know. I mean, I, we talked about this, I think, last week, that Lyft is at least trying to seem like, okay, we're going to start giving some more money back to the drivers. So maybe maybe they'll, they'll start taking, so taking some bites out of Uber's market share if they do that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the future of Uber and Lyft depend on policy. If people, legislators tar, start taking um, – labor rights and employee rights seriously and start demanding you know minimum wages and start demanding benefits being paid that's going to significantly change the the numbers for the company and in how these profits look because you know if you start paying people fairly then the numbers might not be exactly what we're seeing today so um I guess Uber has successfully gotten over one hump, but we'll see what the future holds in terms of how sustainable this business model is when you're just squeezing everybody that you're dealing with. Right. You know, the, you know, the disruptive was the word of, of the 2010s, but it really, it's just kind of turn out, turning out that disruptive tech, most of it isn't really disruptive. It's bait and switch. You know, it's like, Hey, we can do things cheaper than taxis. Ultimately, I think what we're going to find out is I bet these rides are going to be the same cost as as taxis would be today. So it's just I don't know. It's it's totally insane. And um, but things are going to have to change because, as we said last week, too, there is an erosion of driver and passenger, uh, you know, kind of believing that this is the way to go. Both both are kind of disgusted by it. And I if they don't change it, I can't see this surviving that way. Yeah. No, well, and I think one point that we made last week is they need to Uber and Lyft need to treat the drivers as the customers, because if they keep hemorrhaging drivers the way that they are, 
whether it's through deactivations or just losing them because they're not paying them enough, eventually that well is going to run dry. And it doesn't matter how much demand you have from the passengers. If there's not enough drivers to meet that demand, then the company fails. So they really, they need to prioritize treating people who are making them this this money in the right way if they want this to be a long-term success. Yeah, totally. And that's a great point. And if they do that, then there may be success in that. Um, so that is that is all we have for this week. And then, Brian, I'll give you the floor uh, before we head into the weekend. Yeah, as always, we just want to remind everybody, if you're involved in an accident, if you're injured on the job, don't hesitate to reach out to Legal Rideshare. Consultations are always free. You can reach us through our website at LegalRideshare.com. Um, time is of the essence. Call us right away. Reach out to us right away so that we can help set a solid foundation for your case and get you the money that you deserve when you're injured on the job. Um, and I did have one other pitch for anybody who's listening in the uh, Chicago area. Next Friday, uh, February 23rd, we are going to be hosting a live stream and a lunch at the Independent Drivers Guild in uh, Chicago. So if you're in the area, please feel free to come by, hang out with us, uh, watch us talk about what's going on in the rideshare and, and gig world uh, with the people who who live it every day over at the Independent Drivers Guild. So um, make sure to stop by or or watch us online if you're out of town. Yeah, we'll we'll both be there, and I will actually be um, kind of MC uh, hosting that. That'll be fun. Free food, good convo. It'll be a good time at the uh, IDG office in Park Ridge. Um, but that is it for this week in Rideshare. See you next week.